welcome back to another episode of Church of the Geek. Sam, how are you? I am doing very well. Yourself? Doing fine. You know what? It is fall. It is fall. It is October. Yeah. Um, the The leaves are falling. There are beautiful leaves here in Western Pennsylvania right now. Unbelievable. This this is absolutely my favorite time of year. This is the best part, I think, of it. Some warmer days, some cool nights, great sleeping weather, as we mm-hmm. often say. Um, and the colors right now are uh, sorry, uh, colors are pretty, pretty, pretty uh, uh, gorgeous right now. So. Nat, yeah, and that, yeah. So. I had to go. My my niece was getting married in. Uh, Foxburg, which is about an hour north of here, um, and it's it's a in a pretty ru- very rural area, and the drive up there was well. You said an hour north of us, so yes, yes, and uh, it was one of the nicest drives I've I've had through you know just these like twisting kind of farm roads and the leaves all turning and swirling around you as you are, are driving through. It was that was worth worth the trip right there yeah yeah it's been really good hey sam i got a question for you do do you have a mission uh just an impossible one which is (sighs) usually like you know trying to get the homework done or get you know something like that some oh oh god yeah (laughs) the homework oh yeah that is an impossible mission yes but staying, uh, <clears throat> staying on top of the kids to get their homework done—that is a mission in in and of itself. Yeah. So and, so, and and you do you have have you had a mission in life? Uh, you know, are I you gotta know, say, are you on a mission from God? <laughs> I'm on a mission from God. Um, we all are actually. Yes. Um, so, and I don't know about you, uh, but within the life of congregations and ministries mission becomes a really important, uh, buzzword catchphrase, uh, and not even just that, but it really is important mm-hmm. about helping to find who a congregation is, what they're about, how they understand themselves, how they see themselves within larger portions of, of, uh, of God's mission. Right. Right. So, um, but I think that some of the most important mission stuff, uh, if we want to talk about uh, geek stuff, is a particular five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Ta ta ta. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Uh, it's Star Trek, man. I mean, we had uh, Dr. McGrath on um, a few episodes ago and uh, we had a really great conversation just about about Star Trek in general, right? Mm-hmm. That was a great conversation. It was really good. Uh, Dr. McGrath is fantastic. Um, really enjoyed that conversation. But we're also, we realized we are sitting here. So, to, so now we are a couple days away from the beginning of season three of Star Trek Discovery. But when folks are hearing it, oh my God, it will be the future. The future <laughs> will be the present, the past. 
Oh my gosh. It's exactly like season two. It is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Star Trek discovery. The, when the, when the, when the future meets the past, the present will be unlocked. I don't think you're there yet. Um, I know you just ruined it for me. So I'm just, I did. Uh, That's like, a- I'm throwing my, my headset down in disgust. Yes. Um, but, uh, actually when you get to it, you'll understand what I said. Yeah. Um, but, um, We'll try not to do too many spoilers, but so anyhow, we're sitting on the on the verge of season three premiere, right here in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, when this is when this episode is released, that premiere will have happened the night before. Yes, so this will come out on Friday, the sixteenth. That will have happened on on uh, Thursday, the fifteenth. So, w- hello, listeners from the future. Uh, so. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that I, I've been trying to get a, an episode in every night to get caught up. Hopefully before, before Friday, I might be able to get everything in and, uh, so that I can just seamlessly go from the end of season two into, into season three. Yeah. I think, I think you should be able to do that. I don't think that'll be a, that'll be too bad. Um, but yeah, so let's, we wanted to t- take some time and talk about Star Trek discovery because you have been um uh plowing through it to get ready for season three i've watched it before but i also have been plowing through it um and uh really uh all i can say is i have really been enjoying it like Mm -hmm. i said like the as some there were times that i wasn't real sure that it was that great because I kept falling asleep during the episodes, like when my wife and I would watch a couple episodes, and I'd fall asleep at the end of an episode. But that's not fair because I can fall asleep at the drop of a hat. I've, <laughs> I have been known to fall asleep in the middle of conversations, so I am not the best one to be asking. You know, is it was it good? Wait, you fell asleep? Can't be good. And actually, it could be great. I'm still going to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So. But um, no, Star Trek Discovery has been, um, I think, a really welcome addition uh, to the Star Trek uh, canon. It's it's very different than the other um, ep- series that have come out, especially series be- that have come out before it. Um, yeah, not counting Picard because Picard fits in kind of in the same way. Yeah, it fits in the same way, um, and. The, the because of the nature of the you know the the shorter um, bingeable seasons, it has a really a lot faster pace to it. There's not the kind of sense of you there like you know I I still watch Voyager which which I really you know I still I still appreciate. It's probably still one of my favorite you know series. But yeah, you'll have like an episode and something happens in there, and then the next episode happens. And an indeterminate amount of time may have passed between that episode and, and this episode. You know, the thing still, some things have carried over, you know, the story over our overarching story still progresses, but you know, it's sort of like you're on a, you're on a, a journey that is taking an indeterminate amount of time and it's, it's just sort of going. Whereas um, discovery really has a sense of, these are, you know, these episodes are happening. It, it's like telling a, a much larger story in small chunks. Right, right. I think um, while uh, 
whether it's Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, those are all, they remain at the core, just like the original series, episodic. Yes. Right. Even though there might be elements of a larger narrative that's told across, which doesn't happen in the original series, really, but it happens yeah. in, we start to see it happening, like, because you get things like the uh, the Borg, which is a big arc, but everything still remains pretty much self-contained within an episode. Mm-hmm. They 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 had they remained wed to that, and it was it was and that was fine because that's the that's the kind of story they still were telling uh, uh, through all that. Yeah. But now with streaming and with just the way storytelling has changed. Shorter seasons, you don't need 25 seasons, right? Uh, or 25 episodes. Right. <laughs> 25. What, what is this, Supernatural? No. Um, but uh, 20, you don't need 25 episodes to fill a, a season. Um, and that that I think that has been freeing on so many different series for uh, the types of stories that get told. Right. Because, because now you don't have to worry about episodic – I mean, you can you'll have episodes, but everything is everything now serves the larger narrative. Mm-hmm. Whereas the larger narrative would serve the episodes. Now it's it's kind of flipped itself, and you can change the pacing. You can change uh, the folks. You don't have to worry about leaving things unresolved because you know it's it's almost like trying to make a a, a movie in twelve one hour uh, chunks, right? So. In in terms of in terms of pacing, in terms of how the narrative gets explored, in terms of um, how how things happen and what you're expected to remember from the last episode, um, that sort right. of thing. Um, and another thing too, I'm just constantly impressed by the production value in there. I mean, they it seems like I, I'm. I haven't yet, but I would really be interested to see, you know, some of the how how we do this, how you know the making of Star Trek Discovery, and how much of the sets are practical, and how much is uh, CGI, how much is, um, you know, kind of what's what. But it seems like it's a very, um, it's a very practical set, and I think you know they put a lot of time and and. Um, detail into it um, without without it being overwhelming, um, which I think yeah. is, is very impressive. And I think they took some really bold moves in the uh, the design of uh, of the ship itself. I think you know it's very different than um, the Enterprise you know ships, which just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And this one is a very angular, it's very sleek, very mm-hmm. sleek. And then it's got mm-hmm. the, the, the two rig thing going on. And yeah, I just, it's, that's one of the things I really want to kind of do for Christmas is get a, uh, get a, a discovery model to put together. Cause that's, Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. That's cool. So, uh, well, let's talk about the series then. Yeah. So, um, and we'll, we will, you're not done with season two, uh, as, as season three near. So, um, I will be on my guard for spoilers, right? I'll try. I'll try to. I'll try to behave. But season one is fair game. So, folks, here is this is this is big warning. Uh, we're going to talk about it. If it is on your list that you want to watch it, and you don't want spoilers. 
uh, pause it now. And we will and we'll be talking about some season two, I'm sure too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There will be some there will there will be some stuff around season two, but I'm going to behave myself around season two because Sam, you haven't finished it, so I don't want to give spoilers <laughs> to you. But well, so the the general premise though is um, the interesting thing that I think is right. We've started when the the overall Trek timeline. We've got um, you had the original series and your next generation, which you know, and then Deep Space Nine, which runs much of the same uh in the same sort of time frame a little bit later yeah than next generation um uh, voyager was a little later than that wasn't it in the timeline i think it was a little bit later it's it's still pretty concurrent though i think i'm not sure exactly where it falls in the timeline but it's it's, but so it's those part of that are, same progression, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's still right there. Then they go to um, Enterprise, which actually goes back prior to the original series. And now this one, uh, Star Trek Discovery, it's going to be complicated. Yeah. Um, for season three, but the general gist that starts out uh, right prior to uh, the original series. That's a first off. That's a bold move. Yeah, because you're going to butt up against um, some really beloved canon and some really things, but it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. It pays off in a big, big way. I, yeah, I love it. And and they really did well. I I think it was pretty, like you said, it was pretty daring to do that because the expectation, you know, going in is like, okay, well. What are the characters going to be like? What is what is the ship going to be like? Who who are we going to recognize and who aren't we going to recognize? Um, what you know? What is this world? How is it going to be like a J.J. Abrams takeoff of Star Trek, where it's going to be like almost it's going to be sort of like it, but not like it at all. Yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be more like Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> with, a, with a Federation <laughs> emblem on it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I thought it was really interesting, and I think they didn't try to make things so much like they were like you know you're looking at the old Enterprise and the old uh, uniforms and so on. It it, it was kind of funny. It, there's some some scenes in uh, season two where you know people uh, well Pike shows up, uh, Captain Pike. Well, right. So, yeah, that I was going to get to that here in a bit, but yes, yeah, I'm uh, just jumping right ahead. Season two jumps into uh, really a connection with the original series that because it brings in Captain Pike, who was the captain uh, immediately prior to uh, Kirk on the Enterprise, um, and Spock was his uh, second in command, the science officer, um, and so, and of course, we see we see Spock. So. Um, this was a very this was a very well written and 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 sort of creative use of 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 the canon because there were some holes in the canon or not holes but untold stories and I think this was a way to uh, engage that. Mm-hmm. I think it was so. very interesting the way that they're that they're looking at Spock and his upbringing and his uh, relationship to. Uh, you know, to his, his family and to, you know, the, the new main character, Michael Burnham, who I, which I think is a bold move too. just the fact that, you know, all of the other um, Star Trek 
series have been focused primarily on the captain and the the story kind of often swirls around the captain or he's kind of the you know the main you know protagonist or or mover or something like that he's always he's always in there um whereas in discovery the main uh focus is always on uh burnham michael burnham who is kind of starts off season one as a uh well she's uh i forget the she she i guess i'm trying to remember back that far back um but she uh killed a klingon leader correct yes yeah and which led to the kuvma yeah which led to the uh the klingon and uh federation war if i if i remember correctly that's right and so it's following her uh you know through this you know she's uh on trial for treason or treason or, or, or uh, mutiny. Mutiny. She's yeah. A that's mutineer. It. Yeah. And uh, her gradual reintegration back into um, society and ultimately the Federation. Yeah. Yeah. She moves from um, ready to take command of her own vessel to mutiny to um, being basically conscripted back into the war um, and ultimately, um, well, it's not a surprise. There's a second season. Yeah. She moves, she moves in, she moves beyond uh, that prison sentence. Um, so that is definitely, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good journey, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's written, but it, it is made a little more dramatic, especially insofar as while in the original series, Spock was uh, half human, half Vulcan, uh, and then serves in the Federate, first Vulcan in Federation. She was, um, in some ways, it, it, it mirrors um, Worf's uh, story. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Right, because he was uh, a Klingon, abandoned uh, uh, or orphaned, and then raised by humans. Um, she is orphaned, um, and then raised by Vulcans mm-hmm. uh, on on Vulcan, and so uh, and all of that baggage that would go along with uh, the um, what would happen with a human raised in a Vulcan society. Mm-hmm. Which it was also truly great, great because that also means that we see Sarek. Actually, mm-hmm. we see Sarek a lot in the first season, um, we, and it's the second season that we see Spock. We see we see um, Spock's uh, mother Amanda, uh, the human uh, mm-hmm. Amanda, and um, so there's a lot in here about identity, right? Uh, who am I? What? What is my mission? What is my calling? How do I engage the world around me? Um, and I, I thought um, they explore that really well uh, in that first season. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. How does the outsider learn who they are uh, in the midst of 
all of this. Right. And they explore that with a lot of, with a lot of different characters. Not that mm-hmm. she brought that up, you know, with uh, Saru and um, Ash Tyler, you know, different characters that, you know, they're all, you know, this is about in, you know, the, the, the Federation in general is about, you know, bringing people from different uh, walks of life and different races and different uh planets you know together to work together on common goals and you know figuring out how we all how everyone can do that and find themselves you know how do you find yourself in this uh in this new family that you have um while still you know maintaining yourself i in you know talking about um um michael and kind of her journey and finding yourself also made me think about uh saru who is the uh number one the the first mm-hmm. um i guess you would call the first mate is that what they would first officer first officer yeah mm-hmm. i might my brain is not quite working quite well tonight but he's the first officer on the discovery who is uh a, a kelpian a, a race of of beings who he's also sort the of first. the mm-hmm. first and uh he's the only and yeah. he and he uh he cannot go back to his to his uh to his planet and his race because um his race is not yet uh warp capable and his going back would interfere and telling them you know about the federation and all and everything that he's experienced would change the course of their civilization, which is against what, you know, what they, uh, what they stand for. Um, so he's finding himself in the, in, in this and just his story as well, that he's, you know, his, uh, his, his race is basically bred to be hunted and killed. Um, they're sort of like sporting creatures that, um, they're designed to be extremely empathetic and to uh, perceive when death is going to be upon them or someone else. So it's, it's an interesting, he, he kind of takes on the role of the ship's counselor to a certain degree. Um, You are right. Yeah. yeah, There's some of that. Yeah. yeah, There's, there's some of that. And he also um, he's one of the more vulnerable characters on the, on the ship. Um, but he's also one of the most, uh, you know, one of the most, one of the most, uh, strong characters on the ship at the same time. I, I think so too, because for, for a, for a race that was, uh, so, uh, in a sense controlled by fear, right mm-hmm. there, they have these little fear ganglia that come out of the back of their skull, um, that when they, when things are really tense, uh, he, he's exceedingly brave because this is the true meaning of bravery in the midst of, of some of the greatest fear. He still is able to act. Um, he's still able, he's not, he's not frozen by it. He, he moves in. He's, he always has a cautious posture, but um, he will do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There, Tilly is also um, as the, the young Tilly is a, a crew member. She starts off not as a, uh, she starts as a cadet. Um, within uh the crew the youngest member of the you know uh command uh, training program and 
we talked we talked a little bit about her mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, previous episode. You mentioned it um, at the end, but uh, but yeah, she's a she's a great character because she really well one she provides a bit of uh, comic relief at times, you know, to kind of cut through the tension. She's really written. <laughs> really wouldn't well. Um, and she's probably, you know, like one of the most um, human characters written on the show in terms of how she reacts to things, how she relates to people. Um, even just her, her appearance. She's not like the, the she's a very normal looking person. <laughs> and, and she embraces that. I think she's not, like the uh, she's not a supermodel and yeah yeah, which i think is great i'm 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 glad to see you know that um not everyone in the star trek universe is perfect yeah yeah they they also one of the things i was thinking that the in some ways so while i while i really uh dove into trek i knew i watched a lot of the original series but i really Trek became mine in the next generation, right? And I mm-hmm. love DS9. Uh, that's my that's my Trek. But the um, the next generation, even though it has diversity within it, it's still very white. Yeah, you know. Um, but Discovery is very diverse. Um, I I love the representation and the. Um, I feel like it's more in line with the original series because the original series. Yes, was very white, but for the time was um, groundbreaking. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, black women on the bridge crew, and um, you just saw uh, lots of uh, faces that all of the world could could connect with. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that you know, I feel like they've done really great work in casting um, folks that is going to represent a whole earth, yeah. not just the United States and half of the United States. Or, yeah. you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so let's go back to, you know, like talking about mission and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I think, you know, you, you, op- you opened us up with the classic, you know, the five year mission of star Trek to, uh, explore strange new worlds, uh, with uh star trek the next generation you know the mission you know to basically continue doing what it's continuing mission <laughs> just let's, let's do not the, let's not limit it to five years let's, let's yeah let's do the same thing for longer and uh star trek voyager the mission is to get home um so what what would you say because you're much more in the ds9 than i am what would you say the mission of ds9 is yeah, DS9, that's a really good question. Um, I think in, in that one, it, it I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll copy the phrase from a lot of police forces, right? To serve and protect. Mm-hmm. Um, because Cisco was placed on that uh, uh, station um, to... Um, to be the Federation presence there and stand against the Cardassians, mm-hmm. right? While they've left, they didn't really leave. Um, so they have those, um, 
there's that there's that I think there's that sense. Then it gets wrapped up in in other stuff, but I think that's the the original intent there is to be a peacekeeping presence um and to uh uh, be clear to the Cardassians that uh, Bejor is um, is sort of off limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, so let's talk about the mission of discovery and maybe how that fits in with greater themes of mission that we can uh, pull into, uh, you know, further discussion. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you what? How do you see Discovery's mission? And well, and that's interesting because you can ask the question, you know, what does what is Discovery's mission? And then what do you think Discovery's what does Discovery's mission turn out to be? Because initially, right. you know, Discovery's mission is to basically be the secret weapon in the Federation arsenal against the Klingons. Um, it's a it's a ship that is uh, designed with uh, secret technology, exper- experimental technology to um, instantaneously move from one place to another without going through uh, uh, warp warp space right. uh, and without the kind of travel time or anything or being able to track it. So, you know, the initial plan is that this thing can be in one location, pop into a battle pop in to, you know, behind enemy lines, do its damage and pop back out again. And it turns out, you know, to be the mission is sort of is subverted in, in many ways by, you know, by, I want to say the crew, um, but probably more, but more from Burnham because well, go ahead. So, I, no, I think, See, because I think initially, and I think this was pre- made pretty clear, that they start off and they see themselves as a science vessel. Yes. That they they are researching this possibility. It's their captain who, once they get this the spore drive um, going and operational, um, they become an important weapon in this uh, Federation Klingon war. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right, there's an early scene in the first season where they're, he has them running a drill combat drill and, and the crew is terrible. Yeah. Him. And, and he is frustrated and um, throughout the season, then you, you see them get better at it, right? That they get drafted sort of into that, into that war um, less a research vessel and more, secret weapon okay right that's a that's a good reminder okay because i was kind of maybe mis misremembering and that i was taking it as the kind of the cover was that it was a was a science vessel even though it but the kind of secondary intention was for it to be a, a warship basically um that the 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 primary mission that the crew understood was that it was going to be, you know, science and we're, we're experimenting with this new technology, but there was a, a hidden, hidden motivation that was really primary, which was, which was military. Yeah. I think, again, I think it only becomes military once they understand, once they get the sport. Once it works. Out. Once it works, <laughs> they realize the applications that they can use. But Gabriel Lorca understands 
the weapon that that the 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 weapon potential that mm. they have mm. and and then throws the crew into those scenarios so and this part i will i think we should leave lorca alone although uh, <laughs> themes of identity go there as well mm-hmm. um so um that was a but that um so that that's really important but Whenever I talk with like a congregation or, or um, we've been doing a lot with the campus ministry and my board in particular, right, um, around questions of mission, we found out I was looking through stuff and I, I found out that we have two mission statements. There's a mission statement in our bylaws, Constitution and bylaws, and there's a mission statement that we put out on that was that was printed on the backs of our uh, like newsletters. Right. And so mm-hmm. I went to the border and I'm like, which, which one is ours? You know, I mean, technically I, I think the, 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 the mission statement in the bylaws sort of just automatically sort of has a sentence. But the reason that this is important, it goes back to that theme of identity, mm-hmm. right? What your mission is should line up with how you understand your identity. Um, and this was important because I think that there's still the same notion of identity was not just about the individual characters, who's, who, who are they, what are their motivations, but it also came down to, um, the place where Burnham gets in trouble is in the very beginning, uh, it's like she forgot the identity of, of the Federation, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, the whole thing that launches the Federation Klingon War, she starts this war um, because she tries to pull a mutiny because she wants the, she f- talks to Sarek, her her adoptive father, um, and wants to know how the Klingons, or how the Vulcans made peace with the Klingons. And basically comes down to they had to hit first anytime they encountered Klingons until the Klingons respected them. But that is not at all the understanding that of what the Federation does. Right. But so she tries to pull the mutiny. This is where, this is where all of the tension lies for basically the first season. She, she pulls this mutiny, uh, disables her captain, goes back, tries to get them to fire. This is in the first episode. So, I mean, it's not, I don't feel like this is huge spoiler here. But it, it launches everything into it because then the question is, who is start? Who is federate? Who is the federation? What uh-huh. what is the what is the ethos of the federation? And if we see that in the midst of theirs, constantly saying that they are explorers and they come in peace, um, they can't fire first. They, they always have to wait that out. And that is going to put them in direct conflict with the Klingons because their identity is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another, it's another, that's a whole nother uh, area for thing because we also get a lot more of sort of the intra Klingon conflict. Right. And, and it's a battle over who are we? Mm-hmm. And he's watching that kind of, see the the society splinter into 
uh, into you know different warring houses and eventually how they all do come together and you know trying to come under the the banner of that we are that we are our Klingon we are not just our houses um, we are a, a powerful and noble race which yeah. is which is not now doing very noble things and uh i think that that's a that's an interesting way of do, of uh of, of telling that story because that's not a story that gets told very much um it's a, it's a great great backstory it's a great way to you know to see more about how how that part of history impacted everything that came after it in terms of uh well, you know, Worf joining the crew eventually and how um, Kirk and other Klingons um, interacted over, over time. Um, yeah. But it's, let's go back to um, the, the Federation and they, because that, uh, that notion of understanding who, who we are as the Federation does keep on coming back through, through the, the, the story. Um, I was, you know, catching that even, I think, uh, the episodes I was watching most recently, you know, there was something that was, that was coming up. Um, you know, we are the Federation. This is not what we do in certain seconds. You know, we, we do not let, let people fall behind. We do not let people, uh, go to waste for lack of of a better word. We don't abandon people. Um, we we have our our morals and our standards, and we part of what makes us the federation is that we stick to them. Um, is is important, and I think it's it's good in that the way that they approach it is, um, you know, there's there's often, uh, I, I and, and rightly so. I mean, there's always appeals to uh, certain codes of you know, the Federation protocols and so on. Well, you know, section seven forty forty three says this and da, 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 da. But you know, that they internalize that and make that something that is part of who we are and not just something that we do. Um, and I think that's, that's something, cause it's, it's interesting that this, you know, came up cause it was, it was hitting something I was talking about today with actually one of my, one of the people that I, that I go to, go to see an elderly, elderly gentleman who's, you know, his wife is on hospice and he just really struggles. I could tell today with the idea of meaning and purpose um, of a future without his wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think like so many people, um, you, that find their purpose, you know, in things, uh, we outside themselves, uh, in, in their work or in their hobbies and their, you know, affiliation to political parties or sports teams or, uh, or who they're married to their role as I am a father, I am a husband. Um, are all important things, but it, unless you like internalize those things and bring meaning to them in terms of, you know, this is who I am and not just what I do. 
I think it's really going to, you know, it really leaves you empty and it doesn't give you that sense of mission um, that you need in life to go on without a sense of despair, I think, uh, or just, you know, putting in time. Yeah. It definitely can be a struggle um, at those big transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, when when your your mission, um, right, to be a husband, father, right. whatever, and mm-hmm. then you know suddenly parents uh, face empty nest syndrome, right, mm-hmm. because their their kids have left the house. Um, loss of a loss of a spouse makes. Um, a big transition for folks, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes that's my, um, my grandparents, um, died months within each other, uh, within months of each other mm-hmm. because part of that was the facing that reality was very difficult, mm-hmm. uh, for my grandfather. Once my, um, once my gr- my grandmother passed, mm-hmm. so it's a very difficult thing, and it's yeah, it's it's a yeah, challenge yeah. that you know because it's it's not just you know in many cases the loss of someone that you love, it's also loss of the the compass that you had. This is my role. This is my responsibility. This is who I am, and then you know people that you know when you go through a major change like that, it's and that gets taken away from you. Um, I've had, you know, I've talked with pastors who have been like, you know, they are removed from their congregation for good or bad reasons. And they struggle with the notion of, well, who am I now that I'm not a pastor? Because this was what, this was supposed to be my calling and my mission. It wasn't just, Hey, I, I applied, you know, I saw this job posting online and I applied and Hey, I was qualified and that worked uh, out well. Yeah. It's yeah. That's a sense of, you know, this is, this is my, this is my calling and I feel that God is calling me to do this and that this is what God intended. And now things are not turning out that way. And right. his larger questions of, of meaning and purpose come out of that. Which is still deeply related to identity and mm-hmm. uh, retirements would do another one. Uh, mm-hmm. When folks, um, my dad retired a few years back, and then he's been he had a part time job, and now he's 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 stopping that. But he's I'm sure he's concerned. Like, what now? Mm-hmm. What do I do? And my dad is not a guy who wants to just sit around because mm-hmm. um, he's seen it happen. Guys who work their whole life and retire, and then they just sort of stop everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's not great. Cause then you have, you, you, you've taken, um, the ability to have a mission and now you've just like, okay, now my mission is to be retired. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Every time you meet a transition, I think, and this is whether you're a human being or whether you're an organization or that you have to have the ability to, to reevaluate your mission, mm-hmm. and, uh, deal with that. Right. Um, because one of the, one of the classic things is we've, uh, we had a guy come in and, um, uh, he was, uh, David Fenoletto, CEO of, um, Lutheran senior life. Um, 
here in, in the area. He came in and talked to our board once and he used Radio Shack as a great example, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just from the business world, they they completely botched it. Like they they got un, unmoored from their mission mm-hmm. and just sort of, they finally, you know, frittered their existence away. <clears throat> you know, and they could have been, you know, now if you look at it, if they had really considered it, they could have become the the makerspace around. You oh, know, certainly. You know, they they had they had everything they needed, and you know, but you listen to them, and and people like would talk about like the board went thought the internet was a fad, and mm-hmm. you know all those sorts of things. So, if you don't pay attention to your mission, it's it's not going to go well for you. Mm-hmm. So, and I think like. It's important whenever you're having those those kind of deep challenges, and this is kind of what I talked about with this with this gentleman today. You know, because he's, you know, he's struggling with finding hope with finding purpose. And I said, um, "What is it that gives you hope?" And he kind of looked startled a little bit. It's like I've never thought of that. And he started talking about, well, you know, my my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, you know. Mm. seeing you know seeing their future seeing them learn and grow and change and you know things uh that's kind of what he honed in on and i think you know the things that give you hope also give you purpose yes and that i think is 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 crucial and i think you know that's part of and you know to bring it back around to star trek again part of i think what is great about star trek is that it really has a lot of hope to it at mm-hmm. the core you know that um maybe we're better than our base nature might tell us that we are yeah <laughs> it, maybe we can all all get along maybe we can you know do amazing things with uh the things around us that maybe we can't well at the same time you know preserving the the good preserving the good without exploiting it and uh exploiting people at the same time you know that people it, you know and promoting flourishing those sorts of things um i think are real important and you know seeing a world that's hopeful i think is you know sorely needed in a in a pretty gray dark you know dingy world right now where you know sort of uh lack of hope is um in vogue <laughs> yeah there's never <clears throat> uh while while there's always in some sense this existential threat that that might exist at at no point does it ever really seem within the star trek world that everybody despairs mm-hmm. there's always a hope that uh it will be over that the difficulty will be overcome mm-hmm. and um, that's a, that's a really, I think, a, a one of the strengths of Star Trek just in general. Right. That, you know, there's always a sense that, okay, um, we're, 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 we're going to, we're going to succeed or die trying. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it always comes down to some really incredible, um, thing, but that's, I mean, maybe that's essentially, maybe that's, that's what all of Star Trek's mission is, 
Um, so hope. Mm-hmm. But. And and I think it's it's great too that you know they that they solve problems. I think we've hit on this in the past, but you know, like they don't solve problems by just getting a bigger gun. Um, they solve right. pro- problems with their imagination and it's not it's it's not also not just a bigger gun it's also not often just some magical you know technological doodad that comes in to save the day it's sometimes let's do this thing in a different way let's imagine that look at this from a different point of view and uh you know try something um seeing things from different perspectives and, you know, the importance of human imagination um, in in solving problems as opposed to just hitting it harder or relying on technology itself to save you. Right. Well, in a sense, I think Star Trek wants to hold up a mirror for us to ponder what our identity could actually be. Mm-hmm. Right, and so to think about our mission because they don't they don't respond even when faced with um, a dangerous threat. They don't always respond with elimination of the threat. Mm-hmm. They 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 pull upon the entire human existence. Is it is it a threat? But okay, how do we understand that threat? Is it is it something that can be understood? And there's a there's an arc. I don't want to get into it in the first season. Um, or the second season um, that is they're faced with a monster. Oh yeah. And um, I just, I just finished that up. Okay. So they're faced with a monster and they take a minute to explore it and try to understand what is, what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And they respond with compassion not with the um, Type Three uh, phaser rifle, yeah, which is much better than the the, <laughs> the, the one or the two. <laughs> it, it, it's it has so much, even that right. I mean, the 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 episode the the seasons are twelve, fourteen episodes or whatever, you know. But um, it it has so much. I feel like it remains so loyal to the sort of the original source material or, yeah. you know, the previous, previous incarnations, stuff that we've learned, it doesn't just change. Although in, in the second season, there's also, there's a continued, uh, wrestling with mission because, uh, the, the, uh, discovery crew bumps up against section 31. Right. Who are much more comfortable in the gray areas. Mm-hmm. Right. As, as we were told. Um, and that's a, that's a, challenging place to be uh for them pardon my dog yeah yeah <laughs> he's just clearly agreeing with me because he thinks i'm i'm right on so. that's that's dog for amen yeah mm-hmm. so um that's that's been that i think that's one of the things that i love that even though you know they're really sort of wedging themselves in right, right before the original series. They're, they're really remaining very true to the, to the ethos of the whole Star Trek scenario. 
And I think maybe that's why Star Trek Enterprise never really took off. Um, where, like, because I, I, I've watched a few episodes of, of Enterprise and I didn't feel like it had the, it didn't feel like it had that, that ethos to it. I mean, maybe if I hung, hung with it, it maybe I would, would feel it more, but it, it seemed much more like they were like, this was trying to be something cool. Yeah. I, well, I didn't, I'm going to say, I don't think I made it past the second season. Um, and it was, I, I think even my watching of the first season was spotty, but, um, so that's, yeah. Um, a challenge. Um, I can't speak to the whole series itself, but yeah. Right. And the fact that it only made it five seasons. Yeah. When, when, uh, Next Generation DS9 and Voyager all went seven. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Which, oh, by the way, I was thinking about it. Voyager has to follow certainly at least after Next Generation because Seven of Nine is there. Right. So, but it's it's all within pretty close time period. But Yeah. I'm sure there are people listening going, oh, Brian, you're so stupid. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Like I realize, okay, right, the casting makes it. So. Look it up on the internet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, and then within, within, you know, it, all, all of the existential threats are there within, uh, within those first two seasons in a sense, right? You've got, um, we've got time travel and wormholes and, uh, Klingons, um, and, uh, and all of that. So. And spores. Uh, spores. Yeah. Fungus. Well, you know, I gotta say that's the, that's the one part that I, I. I don't know much about spores, right? So <laughs> fungi, uh, the mycelial network. Like, right. I was just like, oh, I wonder, oh, is this what everybody else who never really cared about science, like physics and stuff had to deal with when? Uh, um, when they had to take physics? Well, just when they had to watch, <laughs> when they watched Star Trek and oh, the okay. techno babble started and, you know, suddenly people are like, what? And I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, have this weird living network moving throughout the the universe. It's it's like ooh, it's, it's messy biology. Ooh, gross. Like whatever. Okay, yeah. it's techno babble essentially. So everything was fine once I decided that I'm just going to be like, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you kind of <laughs> have to. I mean, just the fact that you talk about dilithium crystals and uh, you know warp factors, and you're like, oh yes, that's absolutely po- possible. And what a sport? Like okay. At some point, there's suspension of disbelief and whatnot, but right, it, it's it is a really fascinating sort of uh, scenario. So there was something that I read. I'm trying to remember where it was, but I because I was trying to to look up about you know the spore drive and the mycelial network and how this all kind of works, and came across an article that actually talked about how that could possibly work. Um. Yeah, okay. seeing the seeing the mycelial network as a uh, as an extra dimension, as a fifth dimension that you could travel in. Um, yeah, no, I think that makes yeah, sense. It, think, which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and yeah. I think early on, I don't think they didn't spell that out so much, and it was so easy to get lost in the 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 weirdness of it, for lack of a better word. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> you're kind of like, 
what? And, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, they're still telling the story and you're, I'm still like left behind, like, so mold, they're flying yeah. on mold. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And so, but, but then it's like, eh, but by, by the second season, I'm just like, eh, okay, this is what they do. Yeah. It is what it is. No problem. Yeah. But so we, we stand on the verge of, of season three um, and season three is also going to go to a place where we've not been before. And I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just say season two has great connections to the original series. Um, a couple places uh, within uh, within the, within the season that really makes it a, um, fill some holes within the story of, of the original series mm-hmm. um, between the pilot and uh, uh, the rest of the, of the original series. So it's, uh, I love it. I think it's fantastic, but um, we didn't even really even talk much about the whole Klingon arc uh, of stuff that happens within that. Yeah. Is. I mean, there's be- messianic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so religion plays a big part of the, uh, of the, of the story there. Um, and, uh, that's just a, that's a, there's a lot of fascinating stuff there, but I think mission and identity are, are, are the big overarching themes from even within both seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I think this is a good time to, uh, pause. And uh, I'm sure season three will start and we'll come back at some point and talk about it some more. So we yeah, can, I think we it'd be great. Really... Yeah. Be great to dive back into it once, uh, maybe once we get season three under our belts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, and there's so much Star Trek around. We could, we could talk about it almost every episode. Yeah. So there's a lot there, but. All right, so um, we'll, we'll we'll just we'll pause it right there. We're not stopping this conversation. We're just going to pause the conversation for now. Uh, and everybody who's been listening, if you, if you had a pause, you can just start back up again. Listen now, and no more spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sam, what are you geeking out about? I am geeking out. Well, um, I got back. My my son, my youngest son, was asking. Uh, a couple of months ago, because we we did some model rockets, I remember even like mm. two, a, a year or two ago, and uh, that was fun. And kind of, you know, we we had one day where we kind of built, put some rockets together and launched them. And uh, after that, kind of nothing happened from him again. And then, like a month or so ago, he came up to me. It's like, Dad, when are we going to do rockets again? I'm like, Let's do them now. And so. <laughs> So, which was a lot of fun. I went to I went to uh, the hobby store out in Cranberry that sells oh, rockets. Oh, that's they got great rockets. They have out there. they have good rockets there. And so, um, I I actually ordered one that didn't come. It I ordered one on Amazon because they didn't have it there. Um, that I want to try. It's it's one that you can launch an egg egg on. Has this kind of thing on the top that you can launch. You put a raw egg in there and you can launch it. See if, it, see if it comes back. But what I want to do is he has a GoPro. I want to stick a GoPro on top of that thing in the little egg chamber because it's clear. 
and launch it. Mm. Um, but anyway, we, we had two other rockets that we put together, um, took him and one of his friends out. He had never, his, his friend had never done rockets or anything like that. And so, you know, it was teaching, showing him how to, you know, set them up, how to do the launchers and all that. Um, and spent the a- afternoon out at Hartwood Lake acres, uh, shooting stuff up into the air, uh, watching them break and then shooting them off again anyway, even though they're still broken. And I was like, so let's see what this does now that it only has two fins. And, uh, oh, it goes crazy when it goes up into the air. That's really cool. Let's see what this one does, even though it doesn't have a nose cone anymore because it blew off. And so, you know, th- things like that. And, oh, let's see why the rocket, <laughs> why the engine blew out the, the bottom part. <laughs> So it was like, you know, it was, even though things did not go as planned, it was still a whole lot of fun. So I ordered some more, some more rockets today that we're going to do. For some reason, like October is, is prime like launch season because. Hey, Homer Hickam's October sky. Exactly. Rocket boys. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. So it's just that, that time of year where. So it's good to get outside and shoot stuff up in the air. Awesome. So that's what I make be uh, geeking out about. Yeah, let me know. Uh, my son, my uh, my my middle son loves rockets. Oh well, then if, so yeah, if we're gonna do that, let's let's set up a date. Yeah, maybe. definitely. Yeah. And you? Awesome. Well, I'm gonna stick with the Star Trek theme because um, I. Uh, <laughs> This is really funny, but uh, there's a there's a website out there called Humble Bundle. Oh which, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I I love it. I've picked up so many books. They do a lot of video games, but I'm really in it more for the books and such. Uh, okay, happen. yeah. Um, but I've picked up a ton of uh, role playing materials, like PDF versions of core rule books and and all sort of stuff. So oh cool. Uh, yeah, so I've gotten like um, Numenera. Uh, which is this really futuristic, futuristically fantasy um, type of uh, role-playing game. Very cool. I picked up a whole section of that and um, a bunch of uh, uh, D&D sort of uh, third-party publishers uh, of stuff from that. But for me, that's a lot of the stuff. I got a lot of stuff out of from Cobalt Press from them too. Mm-hmm. Which I love, Cobalt Press, uh, for D and D. But but the main thing is the, the the come back to Star Trek. So Modifius is a is a uh, role playing game publisher, and they have a a couple few years back put out Star Trek Adventures, uh, and I've been reading through the the core rule books for that, um, and I oh. I'm reading this and I can just feel myself going, Oh, this would be really cool. This could be, Oh, this could be great. Uh, because you're, you're, you, you become part of a, of a Federation crew. You become a, a Federation officer, right? And mm-hmm. you can pick, you can pick all sorts of races, you know? Um, and, uh, but, and it, and it can be across, you, they have uh, stuff for the original series or whether it's the next generation timeline or, how this all fits up. So it has a ton of sort of helps condense a lot of the, the, the core, uh, like stuff. Uh, it's stuff, there's stuff from the series. There's stuff from, uh, uh, I mean, it's mainly, mainly 
dealing with series, but you know, you're going to, you're going to be on a ship. So they have lots of different, like, uh, different types of schematics for ships or whatnot. Or so, uh, it is great fun reading through and thinking about, and you know, they've got some, uh, the characters, um, uh, set up to, uh, like from the from the series type uh, characters, or you know, from DS Nine or from Next Generation or the original series, mm-hmm. you know, and they tell you how to play w- within particular timelines or, or time frames, you know. So it's it's <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, one of these times, I would like, "Hey Sam, you want to play? Because this is great." <laughs> so. And it's a, it's a really, it's a really, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, the, the, because it's, uh, you use D6s and D20s. And uh-huh. um, so I, I got to figure out a little more of how that, how that plays out. But okay. I'm, I, ooh, geeking out about that one so hard. So cool. Yeah. I would be up for that. What's it awesome. called again? What's the name of it again? Star Trek Adventures. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, I mean, in some ways, the, the the core rule book is really interesting because you spend about seventy pages, where it's not, it's not really. It's really talking about identity. I will we'll go back to this. It's what does it mean to be part of the Federation, mm-hmm. how, and how do you how do you live that out? So, um, and then it gets into this is how you make a character, and this is how you do this, and this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, and then you. You you plan your adventures very much like the um, you plan your adventures very much like a like a show. So you want to hit the beats of the of an episode, right? You don't have to worry about sometimes the time in between the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, like sometimes in D anD D you can get bogged down in the traveling from Neverwinter to Waterdeep. You know, and who's taking watch on the nights that you sleep out, and you know you can you can do, it, but you don't have to worry about that necessarily. If that's not really be part of the thing, you just skip over. It. You just you you get the beats. You want to keep the narrative moving, so um, things things that that affect the narrative become the important stuff. So um, that's a that's where I'm geeking out about that 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 looks like a really great role playing game. Cool. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, Thanks for uh, joining us for another episode. Uh, let us know if uh, the uh, uh, you catch the first episode of uh, Star Trek Discovery and uh, what do you think about it and uh, of season the first episode of season three, uh, or if you haven't watched it and uh, or you start to watch it, let us know what you think. But uh, uh, we definitely are thoroughly enjoying uh, Star Trek Discovery. Very much so. Very worth your time. Oh yeah. I mean, and the writing is as always very good and, uh, and all. So enjoy that. But, uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, you can, you can connect with us at geek church on Twitter, uh, and, uh, Facebook it's church of the geek, but it's facebook.com slash geek church. And, um, uh, you can, you can, uh, find our, uh, stuff. Geekchurch.blogspot.com is our, sort of a, a place that we're at, but most of that's pretty much just our episodes, which you can find almost everywhere. You can also listen now on Amazon. If you've got a, um, uh, if uh, you have, a, have an Alexa, Amazon. I guess you just say, uh, yeah. Amazon, uh, Alexa play church of the geek. Yeah. 
yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, and I, I know our, our podcast is on there. So cool. Got that all set up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone, uh, yeah, we definitely would love to talk to you and, uh, or connect with you and, uh, hit us up and, uh, would be great. But, um, uh, also we have, uh, the, uh, coffee.com uh, ko dash fi.com slash, uh, Geek Church, uh, Church of the Geek. Crap, I don't remember. Coffee.com slash, I think it's Geek Church. Um, or Church of the Geek. Dang it. I should have <laughs> checked that out. My brain, too many geek churches. But I think it's actually coffee.com slash Church of the Geek. Um, but uh, if you if you find that this is um, a uh, helpful kind of thing and you want to uh, buy us a coffee and throw a few bucks our way, uh, help us defray some costs of putting this out, we would... We would be happy for it. If you give a uh, dollar, uh, we send you a vinyl sticker of our uh, logo. And if you get up to five, you get a, an acrylic pin of our logo. So um, just a little thing. Uh, we keep doing what we do because we love it. But um, if this is, if you feel so moved, we'd love to, uh, uh, well, we'd welcome it. We, we'd love to take your money is what you want uh, to say. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we would also greatly appreciate we we greatly appreciate all of your your feedback and your your comments and uh, remember to uh leave a, a review on your podcast platform of choice and uh share it with with your friends i know it's i've seen a couple people on twitter saying you know saying that uh uh they've you know listened to our show and are sharing it with other people and uh so that's great to hear and appreciate uh you're getting the word out yeah absolutely a like uh, a review and a share are also super important so and they're free yep yeah absolutely all right everybody um until next time we'll see you in a couple weeks but uh thanks for joining us and uh remember trust in god wash your hands wear a mask and as always geek be with you and also with you <laughs>